The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome back to the show. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. I'm David. He is Isaac. And the Memphis Grizzlies are in the playoffs. Let's go, boys. Man, playoff bow, man. It, it It's still surreal, man. I had to wake up this morning and pitch myself a little bit and ask myself, did that really happen last night? But, um, I mean, it's fantastic, man, for you to be in a second year of a rebuild, uh, to, to be here in the playoffs. And, I mean, and they took the scenic route. I tweeted that out last night. They weren't the eighth seed uh, or, or, or the seventh seed. They ended up ninth and took the scenic route. So nobody can look at this and say they didn't earn it, man. They really earned their way and got the big victory against San Antonio. Phoenix form had to rematch with, with Golden State, man. And they went out there and handled business, man. It wasn't, wasn't always easy. Uh, wasn't a clean victory. Had several big leagues. Uh, allowed those leagues to slip away. But the resiliency they showed in overtime, I mean, Jonas Valanciunas fouled out in that game uh, to, to go out and, and, and jog kind of, put the team on his shoulders and, and look like the button superstar that he is in this game and let this team to victory, man. It's fantastic, man. It feels feels great uh, here in, in Grizzland right now, Grizz Nation. Feeling good, man, in, in, a, in a big matchup against the Utah Jazz looming on Sunday. Um, and, and again, before we even get into that, no matter what happens in this series, I think this season is a huge success, even if they go out and get swept. I don't think that's what's going to happen. But even, no matter what happens in this series, I think – you you got to look at this season as success, and it just shows you where this franchise is, and it shows you how I think the trajectory they're on and how exciting this thing's going to be in the future. Yeah, and to me, even if they had come up short last night against the Warriors, this season was a success. They, they learned a lot to be in the position that they are in, missing their you know arguably their second best player for the majority of the season. Just unbelievable job by the guys that are out there playing the game and by the coaching staff. Yeah, we were uh, just talking in the media press conference with uh, Taylor Jenkins a little bit ago, and I asked him about how he would kind of sum up this season, and he just kind of talked about the commitment of guys and how they bought into what they were trying to do, and I, I think this is the payoff for that. I mean, I, I think what he said is exactly right. I think these guys – bought into their roles. On a lot of teams, you have guys with egos. You don't have that type of thing with this team. Even Ja, Ja is sometimes passive to a fault. Uh, but sometimes we wish he'd be more aggressive. And, I mean, he is bought in. I mean, you can just tell the press conference after that game. I mean, you just had guys supporting each other. You had guys jumping in, press conference, congratulating one another. And that's that's cliche, but it, you don't get that with all teams. I mean, some teams, I mean, they, you – Looks like they're together on the surface, but I really think this team, I think these guys really like each other. They support each other. They're bought into what they're doing. They really believe in this coaching staff, this front office, and what they're trying to build here. And I, I just think that we have something special here. And, again, uh, like like you said, even if they had lost that game last night, despite some of the things that we've criticized them for and the things that have happened throughout the year, this was a success when, just by getting to that game and winning it and, and creating a playoff berth. I think that – even goes beyond beyond that. And it's just, again, it's just fantastic. And a testament to these guys, this coaching staff, and this front office. Yeah, if you go back to the, the even the, you were talking about the press conference after the game last night and what Jaron was saying. He's like, you know, we we hang out outside of basketball. He, and, you know, he, he was and crossing his fingers. And he's like, you know, we're, we're like this. You know, we're, we're tied. Yeah. This is a family. And you could really see it 
sometimes that you know that comes across as, as cliche, but yeah. everything that you see from this the like this team, these guys, the support that they're giving to each other, including Ja giving Dylan, you know, yeah. saying, "Hey, give my guy his respect. He deserves to be on one of these de- uh, all defensive teams." You know, these guys are in it together, and that's huge. That's huge for the Grizzlies. That's huge for us as a fan base, as we are watching this team grow and they go to the next level this season making the playoffs all right you know last year came up a game short you know had the chance didn't get there this year had the opportunity they were able to execute whenever the game was on the line and make it happen and now they're going into the playoffs and for the players they say you know job's not done we don't just want to make the playoffs we want to make a run and i'm on the same page as isaac i don't know that they beat this jazz team in a series, they haven't beat them all year. They're zero and three against the Jazz, but the experience is invaluable. What Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman done last night as rookies, sensational job. And you cannot give those guys credit. Though, and by those guys, I mean Bain and Tillman. You can't give them credit without giving this coaching staff credit. It's just, it's been. Even with all of the shortcomings, all of the stuff that that drives you crazy about Jenkins and the coaching staff and, and stuff that happens or doesn't happen, you have to give them credit for where this team is at right now because without those guys leading the way, this young team wouldn't be here. Yeah, I mean, he made fantastic adjustments and coaching decisions in, in the San Antonio game, especially the second half and last night as well. Um, a lot of people criticized him for uh, you just look on social media and and Grizzly fans talking about why BC's not getting minutes. And I've said time and time again, I, I don't have any problem. I, I, we've talked so much on this show about Tillman and what he brings to the table versus what BC has brought this year. And Tillman is just better right now. I mean, it was the best decision down the stretch last night. Uh, didn't play Jared Jackson Jr. Went with X, uh, went with Grayson, uh, with big minutes. And Grayson paid off. I mean, four or five from three. And all four of those threes were huge and really needed hit two in the overtime period that kept this thing afloat um, when, when it got the game got real dicey there. I mean, big-time minutes from him, and, and you got to give Taylor Jenkins credit for these decisions. I mean, I, when going into the overtime, when Grayson came out there on the floor, I saw a lot of disdain, a lot of jeering about him being in the game, and you saw how, how he came up big, and Taylor talked about that after the game last night, that he, he put him in the game and felt like the moment wasn't too big for him, and that if, if they needed a big three, he would be the guy that could knock it down, and he came through. And you got to give this coaching staff credit for that. I know there's a lot of talk about the challenge and that it's head scratching. Uh, his use of challenges and non use of challenges, I should say, has been head scratching throughout his tenure. But again, man, as far as adjustments and uh, lineup decisions, I've criticized him for that in the past, over the last week or so, um, in these big time games and big time moments. In those situations, I think he's made the right moves. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, man. That's I, I'm going to bounce back. We, we were kind of talking a little bit about the uh, the win over the Warriors, but I want to bounce bounce back to this Golden State or the uh, San Antonio game. And the one thing this time of year that we have to understand, this is going to be a game of runs. That you, you're nobody is just going to roll over. It, it's not going to happen. You do not do that during the regular season. Team. You know, if, if you're on a road trip. If you're on second night of a back-to-back and you're just exhausted, you may see a team, whenever they get down 20, 25 points, just kind of roll over and let the game go. But it's not going to happen right. You know, the, 
it, it will not happen. The Grizzlies against the Spurs came out 38 to 19 in the first quarter, and then it flip flop on them. They hit a wall for the second and third and nearly let this game slip away. But going up against one of the best coaches to ever do it, Taylor Jenkins made adjustments in that game that led the Grizzlies to victory. He knew, you know, Grayson was out there. Grayson was awful in this game, and he realized how bad Grayson was, and Grayson didn't see the floor again. That is improvement. That is growth for Jenkins. Even though you do not agree with everything that he does, you have to look at the things that he's doing. This is growth because last season, earlier in this season, he's going to ride with these lineups till the wheels fall off of them. And he wasn't doing that. He hasn't been doing that. The decision to play X over Jaron Jackson Jr. last night, dude, that took some freaking stones. Like, Jaron wasn't having a great game. X was playing extremely well, doing great against the Warriors. And he left him out there. There were there were quite a few people that were not happy about it, but it worked out for him. And just the I, I was one with the with the the challenge call. I was one. Actually, I'm not going to get into that right now. I'm talking about this first <laughs> game. I, I'll talk about that later. But he, he done he made adjustments against Popovich, one of the best coaches ever. Pop came out, they made adjustments after the first quarter, getting the beat down, got back into the game going into the half. The third quarter was sloppy for both teams. Luckily, the Grizzlies were able to maintain in that fourth quarter to close the game out. Free throws nearly cost them the game. Cannot believe they missed so many free throws. It was crazy. I was there. I remember it was either the last time or the next last time before Ja got like he got to the free throw line and I was like, come on 12, make these free throws. And I was loud about it. And like, I don't know that he was looking at me, but he looked in the direction whenever I was hollering and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to say that he was looking at me, but he, he ended up, it was, it was a time before. Cause he made the say, so he missed two and like he, he, I, I was like, come on 12, make these free throws. He missed both of them. And then the next time down, he missed the first one. And I'm like, oh, man, just a dagger. When he missed that first free throw, I I thought that they were going to lose the game. I lost all hope at that point. And he was able to make the the next one. Grizzlies hold on, and then here we go against Golden State for a chance to make it in, and they don't. Yeah, we've talked about this throughout the season uh, as far as Taylor Jenkins coming from that that Budenholzer uh coaching tree we mike is not a guy that makes a lot of adjustments and i kind of worried about that early on we've seen a little bit of stubbornness uh early on in this season from taylor jenkins when lines wouldn't work he'd still ride with his guys um but but he'd still ride with his guys like like grayson allen and and keep these lineups in too long and we've seen over the last couple games that he hasn't done that you talked about grayson struggling in that san antonio game and he, he took him out of the game. He set him down. And, and, and that's growth not only for recent, but this season. We've seen him not do that. And I've criticized him for a lot of things and a lot of stuff, different things this season. And, yeah, I've criticized Jenkins throughout the season for, for different lineup things and rolling with guys too long and not using timeouts and letting teams go on these runs and not calling timeouts. But over the, over the last couple of games, and, and this is when it really matters, He's made adjustments. You talk, go back to that San Antonio game where 
Grayson struggled, really struggled early on. And he set him down. Uh, didn't play much there in the second half. And we saw in, in this game against Golden State where he, he went with X over, over Jared Jackson Jr. late in the game. And that, and that takes a lot, like you said. I mean, a role with a rookie in that situation is big time, and it paid off. Uh, he, he went to Grayson in, in overtime. He talked about that in the postgame press conference, saying he felt Grayson could come in and hit big shots if they needed it, and he came through in a big way. He back-to-back threes that really kept his team in the game where it looked like Golden State was about to about to steal one. Uh, so, I mean, I give Taylor Jenkins a lot of credit, and this is coming from a guy that, that has criticized him a lot, especially as of late, and he's in these last couple of games, he's really made some great coaching decisions despite the, the challenge and all that that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. I think you've got to give him credit. He's a second-year head coach, and, and he's growing along with this team. I mean, he's going to make mistakes. But, again, I think it, 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 he's come up big here in the last two games, and that's these are the type of games where coaches make their money. And, again, man, he has his team in the playoffs, and you spoke on it earlier, not having your second cornerstone piece in Jaron Jackson Jr. for the bulk of the year. And to be where they are right now, I mean, it's not on, only on the players. I mean, with this young team, you got to give this coach and staff credit as well. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the challenge. Going back to that San Antonio game, there was a big challenge that he made where Gorgie initially it was called a charge on on Ja, and Gorgie was not set. When they showed the replay at the forum, I'm like, that's not that's going to be overturned, or it should be at least because Gorgie was moving whenever Ja got up off of the floor. Yeah, absolutely. And it got overturned. I don't know the entire process, like the whole process of what happens whenever they decide to challenge or not to challenge. But I do know that I was watching the bench whenever that foul was called. There is a video guy that has a laptop right there on the sideline that's watching that replay. And I saw him give the nod to go ahead and challenge that call. And so apparently something that he saw last night in that the, the Golden State game, you know, we're kind of bouncing back and forth, and that's okay. So, like, apparently he didn't see enough in that replay to think that it was going to get overturned, and so he he didn't give the go ahead. Looking back, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You get the two minute report, and it shows that it was yeah, indeed it would have been call. overturned. You know, that's the nature of the game. I know that that's what the challenges are there for, and it makes it even worse that he didn't use a timeout after that. He yeah. he held it because he didn't want to use the timeout, and then he didn't use the timeout time after. Out. And so th- there was so much, there were so many moving parts to that. He should have challenged it. I, I'm on that side. I still, at that point in the game, if he challenges that call, they don't get those three free throws. The Grizzlies may win this game in regulation, but I it worked so. out. You know, yeah, they, I, mean, it, 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 I was going to say it worked. Yeah, it worked out in the end. I think if they challenged that call, I think they would have been successful. I mean, it's just a absolute blown call. I mean, it was a clear offensive foul. It, it, it is head scratching why he didn't didn't make the challenge there. I, I don't know. Like you said, you never know what's going on. We're not privy to everything and all the information that we have. We're watching watching on TV or at the game. And we feel like it's an obvious situation. We never know what's happening on the sideline or what's going on. But I think if, if, if they challenge their call, they probably, they're probably successful. They probably win the game in, in, in regulation. But, I mean, they come up big. Ja comes up big over time. They win the game. It ends up not mattering. Uh, and, and, again, it's not to overshadow all the great things Coach Jenkins did in that game. I mean, like I, we've talked about him here. And, again, I've been a guy that's criticized him, and I'm here 
right now, giving him credit for coming up big in big-time situations. A lot of those decisions that he's made weren't popular at the time, and I think now he has people eating crow right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've been on the same page, man. There, there have been plenty of things that have went on, and I, I was not quiet about that uh, that lack of challenge there. You know, I'm at this point in the game, you have to challenge that call. You got two timeouts. You've got nothing to lose there. There's nothing to lose there, in my opinion. And and I wish that we could have kind of gotten his mind as to why he did not challenge there. And Somebody asked him. I think Drew Hill asked him, and I it was a two part question, and I don't know if he really addressed it. I think he answered the first part of his question, and I can't remember. Yeah. I was I was actually driving, so I didn't hear everything. We, but it, I, I think he got kind of danced around that part of it. Yeah, he did. He kind of he said that they did consider challenging the call, and that was pretty much all that we got out of that. You know, he answered the first part of the question just fine, but whenever it came down to why they did not challenge it, he didn't. He didn't address that at all. He just kind of left it as we considered challenging it, but we didn't. So, <laughs> moving forward, what what do the Grizzlies have to do? To beat this Jazz team. They're 0-3 this year against the Jazz. Jazz have the best record in basketball. There are a lot of questions for me in this matchup as to what the Grizzlies are going to do. I think a few things have to happen in order for them to to, to win this series. Obviously, they have to execute. But I think matchups are going to be key. You have Mike Conley. Donovan Mitchell is coming back. Bojan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, and then Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles are both in for the sixth man of the year. It's crazy to me because I thought I figured Jing, uh, uh, Ingles would have started enough games to not qualify for Yeah, I would have thought so too, yeah. But you know, both of those guys are up for sixth man of the year. And so this Jazz team is deep. Depth has been something that has carried the Grizzlies. It was bad there for a few games, and then it showed up in, uh, in last night's game. I, it's kind of scary going into this one because you have Dylan Brooks, who you can put on Donovan Mitchell, which in two games, in two of the games, Mitchell scored 35 on the Grizzlies, so he still was able to get his even with Dylan Gardening. Dylan has really ramped it up lately and looked a lot better doing it. Um, but even outside, even if you, I guess, neutralize, even if you neutralize Donovan Mitchell, you still have Mike Conley, you still have Bogdanovich, and you still have Jordan Clarkson that are more than capable of going off for 30-plus points at any given time. And so it, you're going to have to have more than just Dylan step up on the defensive end. Jaron Jackson Jr. matching up against Bogdanovich is going to be huge. Jaron's going to have to, or maybe maybe they have Kyle on Bogdanovich, but either way you go there, whoever's guarding him is going to be huge. And then John Morant, his defense has been suspect. He's going to have to elevate that because if he's not playing good defense on Conley, we know what Conley can do. We watched him here for years. He can take over a game. So this is a, it's a tough matchup. When you had your poll on Twitter, you put a poll on Twitter, I think a little over a month ago, of asking who we would like to face. This is the team that I wanted the Grizzlies to face, not because I thought they had the best chance to beat them, but this is going to be a fantastic measuring stick for this franchise as to, 
okay, this is one of the better teams in the league. Where do you measure up? What are your shortcomings? Where do you need to improve? This has been a data gathering, data collection season. This playoff matchup right here is like you can pretty much throw everything else that you've seen the rest of the season out. These next, you know, four to seven games, however many we get, are going to be the most important data collection games that we'll have. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's going to be tough. I mean, this Utah team is, is defensively is so good at taking you out of out of what you want to do. Uh, we watched these the three games that they played this season, the Grizzlies 0 and three against the Jazz, and, and what they did is basically said that we're not going to let Ja beat us. Uh, we're going to make you make threes, make perimeter jumpers, and we're not going to let you get into the paint. And that's if, if you're going to win the game, you're going to win the game with Ja shooting threes, with, with other guys knocking down perimeter shots. You're not going to get into the paint and get those floaters off and what this team is used to doing, and they were able to do that. Um, I think in, in order to, to, to have some success in this series, I think – I think the Grizz are going to have to make threes. I mean, you, you're not probably not going to match what Utah did, does from three. I think, looking at the numbers here, Utah is fourth in the league at 38.9% from, from downtown. You, you're probably not going to match that, but you have to make shots to kind of make them honor that, and it, that kind of loosens things up and gets you to the point. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. and JB are going to be huge in this series. Can, can, can they score in the paint? I think it, it, it's going to be huge. I mean, we've seen Rudy Gobert give – Jonas a lot of problems uh, this season, and that's something I think that Jonas is going to have to be find a way to score in the paint, and they're going to have to knock down some perimeter shots to, to kind of loosen that lane up for John to be able to, to get in there and, and, and drive the kids this and make some floaters itself. And I think that's that's going to be the key for this, for this team, and, and it's not going to be easy. I mean, they're so so good defensively. I think third in the league, only give up 107.2 points per game. I mean, they can really, really wreck your offense and take you out of what you want to do, and Grizz is going to have to find a way to to to, to defend that and fight that, and and I think it starts with them knocking down perimeter shots, and that's just got to make them honor that, and that's going to open up the paint. But it's not not going to be easy because I'm saying this this Utah team really doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. You talk about going to the bench, depth has been a key for the Grizzlies, and, and they have a lot of depth too. Jordan Clarkson coming out the bench has been fantastic for this team. Uh, would start for a lot of teams in the league with the way he's been playing. So it's not going to be easy. Uh, and again, Utah has home court advantage. You're going to be playing at altitude. It's a quick turnaround. You had a big emotional overtime win last night. You got to be there tomorrow night at altitude going against team with the best record in the league. It, it, it's not going to be easy at all. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I agree with you. I think it's a measuring stick to to kind of show where this team is. And I think it's a tremendous challenge. But if you listen to what these guys said and say and been saying over the last week or so i think they're ready for it i think they're going to be up for the challenge now does that mean they're going to go out there and win this series no but i i think they're going to give great effort and again that's all i'm looking for i want them to be competitive and, and play good basketball and we'll see what happens yeah you know three-point shots are, are crucial you know especially against this team you go back to the first matchup of the year the jazz won that game 117 to 114 three-pointers made both teams made 12 in the other two losses, the Grizzlies were negative 42 from three. So the the, the Jazz outscored yeah, them that, by 42 points from three. You're not going to outscore this team in the paint. The main reason why you're not going to outscore t- this team in the paint is Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Defensive yeah. player of the year. He's in the running every year as he should be because he he's the best shot blocker in the game. 
very disruptive. Hands are active, plays the passing lanes well. He does everything that you need from a big man at the highest level on the defensive end. The only game the Grizzlies outscored them in the point or in the paint was the last matchup, and they outscored them 60 to 42, but there was an 11 three point difference. So there wasn't enough there to make up that gap. So you're not going to outscore them in the paint. You're going to have to shoot the three and defend the three well in order to beat this team. So the Grizzlies have been right there. They've been competitive. They just hadn't been able to get over that hump. And the two games where they were close, um, they had one game where they lost by 16. The Jazz beat them 126 to 110. And John Morant was basically invisible in that game. He was 12, had 12 points and four assists. In the two games where it was close, Ja went for 30. He, he nearly double-doubled in the last matchup, but he was 32 and 11 in the first one and 36 and 7 in the last one. So you're going to need Ja to be aggressive. You're going to need him to score. He's going to have to make the plays, do the stuff that you need from your star in order to beat this team. And then you're going to need your role players to be good. Like you say, Gobert has given JV fits. And JV is one of the best centers in the league. But Gobert is one of the centers that you could easily rank above him. And, you know, there, there are... There are many reasons for that, but you need him, even though we know what Rudy is going to bring to the table, you need JV to do something to try to neutralize him and show up to this game. He had, looks like 18 and 14 in the first matchup, 13 and 11 in the game that they got blown out by 16, and then 16 and 14 in the third matchup. So JV can be effective against him. It's just... Is he going to be ready? Is he going to be up for this game, ready to go up for the challenge against one of the best defensive centers in the league? And we'll see. Yeah, I think Jared is going to be big in this series. And I've kind of not put any expectations on him. I mean, he, he's still working his way back in. Clearly still has has rust, some rust. I mean, we've seen moments where he's been fantastic, and we've seen moments where he's really struggled. But if you kind of look at the matchups in this game, offensively, I think – this is a matchup where Jared could have an advantage if he's himself. I mean, you look at who they run out there before. I mean, you had Royce O'Neal or was he's up against Bogdanovich or, or, or some of the guys off the bench, Niang, whoever he goes up against. He would have an advantage if he's normal Jared. Um, and, and if he, so I think he could be the X factor for this team. I think for what they lose with JV, they're going to need Jared to kind of pick up some of that slack. And it, it's kind of hard to put those expectations on him because, again, I think he's – Still trying to trying to fit in and work his way back into this thing, and I think that's why we've seen him struggle. I mean, he's you all for almost a year. You're gonna gonna have some rust, and it's big throwing him back in, in the mix this late and expect him to be Pete Jarrett. I don't think we're gonna get that, but I think if we can see more of those good moments, I think that will go a long ways in the success for this team. Because again, I mean, you you know Rudy Gobert is gonna make it tough on JV. Um, it's gonna be hard for JV to get his normal production in in the paint. Uh, maybe he can kind of step out and hit some jumpers and, and, and things like that. But they're going to need Jared, I think, to help make up that difference. And the role players have to be going to have to be fantastic uh, for this team. We've seen times where they have been and other times where this bench has really struggled. And if they're going to have success against this Jazz team, we can't see what we saw for the bench against San Antonio. I mean, they're going to need guys like Grayson and X uh, to, to come in and, and really get good minutes. Bain, uh, Melton has really struggled of late. We're going to need the Melton that we saw a couple months ago. I mean, that's 
those are the type of performances. You can't have those laws against this team, these offensive laws where you go four or five minutes without scoring. If you do that, you're going to lose these games by 20-plus. You just can't do that against a team of this caliber. It's going to have to be all hands on deck. But when I look at it, I think Jaron could really be the X factor because I look at any advantage the Grizzlies have, and that's kind of the one that you look at if he's right. Man, to me, I'm, I, I got to disagree with you on that one. I think I, I think that Jaron could obviously have an impact, but I, to me, it's 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 DB, it's it's Dylan, man, because the Utah Jazz with Rudy Gobert on a pick and roll, they run, they play the drop defense. Gobert drops back into the paint to protect the rim. Dylan Brooks' bread and butter is that twelve to eighteen foot jump shot, and he can get those at will in this matchup. I know a lot of people don't want DB to be the the primary focus on the offensive end, and I'm not saying the offense needs to run through him, but I think that the Grizzlies need between 20 to 30 points a game out of Dylan Brooks in this series in order for them to have a chance because they, they run a lot of stuff with him on the offensive end, dribble handoffs, pick and rolls. I think if he can get into that 12 to 18 foot range and he's knocking those down, I think he can have a ton of success against this team. Jaron can obviously be a spark. I hope that we, you know, there, there's been a couple times he came out in that San Antonio game and he knocked down a three early on. And, you know, I, I'm just like flashing back to the Bucks game when Jaron went crazy, wanting to see something like that again. I know that that's coming. I know that, you know, it, we may not see it in this series, but I know getting into next year, we're going to see that Jaron again as he gets his legs back under him and all of that happens. But to me, I, I think it's – we know what, what Dylan is going to bring on the defensive end. We need him to stay out of foul trouble and be effective on the offensive end. That mid-range jumper of his is going to come into handy. I know that's not a great analytical shot, but you're going to get a lot of those and he can knock those down. Well, when, when I said X-Factor, it's kind of – well, what I, I didn't say DB because it's pretty much understood that they need Ja and, and DB to be good and, and to have anything for starters to have any success. Well, when I say expect, I mean outside of of, of Ja, you. DB, and, and possibly JV. Even though we seen him struggle against Gobert, I think if you're going to get one other guy outside of those three, I think Jaron in this series needs to be that guy. And again, I hate to kind of put those expectations on him because again, we've seen him. Like you said, he comes out in that San Antonio. game game, he'll knock down a couple threes and look like old Jared and see flashes there, and then he'll kind of revert back to the Jared and struggle that we've kind of seen since he's come back. But I think in this series, the matchup-wise, I think he has some opportunities there, and I think he's kind of the, the X-factor of the team, but I, I agree with everything you said about DB. I think offensively, they're going to need him to be really good. We know what he's brought lately on the defensive end, but we're going to need consistency from him on the offensive end, uh, and, and we're going to need that defensive energy and, and what he's brought to this team as well um, in order to have success. But again, this this is a tough matchup. I mean, this is going to be a tough matchup for anybody. Utah is a team that, that could win a championship this year, so it's it's not going to be not going to be easy. Um, again, we saw this team go against Jazz team shorthanded and, and still lose those games. I mean, this team is deep. I mean, defensively they're just a defensive juggernaut with Rodi Gouda Gobert. They're in the middle. I mean, just anchoring everything. It they make it tough on you, but when you look at this series, man, if the Grizzlies could find a way to to steal one of these first two, that's always kind of what you look at when you're the underdog, you're on the road going to one of these series. Can you come home 1-1? I mean, it's not going to be easy, but 
I wouldn't put it past this team. I mean, I, this team has done some remarkable things. You look last night, they're not supposed to be doing that in year two with, with how young this team is. So I, I'm not going to count this team out again. I don't know if they go on to win this series, but I, I don't think they get swept either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they get swept. I think that they find a way to win. I think they win a couple games in this series. Utah had problems last year. Didn't they go up three to one and end up going? Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's Utah has had its struggles. They've been the the best team in basketball this year. And, and Mitchell has missed a lot of time. I was really surprised that they held on to that number one seed with Mitchell being out as long as he was. I I really, I thought Phoenix was going to overtake them and they, they held on to it. It's that's just a testament. You know, we talked about their depth with Clarkson and Ingles and, and all of these guys being able to step up. So it's going to be a huge series for the Grizzlies. Win, lose, or draw, whatever happens here, the experience is invaluable. It's great for this young team to see what they're doing so far and to see where they're measuring up against this team. Man, I would love to keep going. There's a ton of stuff that I want to talk about, but this cold is wearing me out, bro. I don't think I got anything else left in me. Oh uh, yeah, man, I, I got you, man. I, I definitely understand, man. Uh, yeah, there's def- there was a couple of couple other things I want to touch on, but yeah, man, we'll we'll definitely be back uh, to tomorrow night or, or or sometime in the next couple of days and try to try to get someone jump jump on with us that covers jazz. So we'll we'll talk Utah Jazz. Uh, the Grizz will be in Salt Lake City tomorrow night, man. Quick turnaround again. Uh, Friday night, tough emotional overtime game. Uh, you got a day off in between and. Tomorrow night at altitude, game one, man. But I'm I'm excited for this opportunity for this young team. They seem to be excited about it when they left Memphis uh, for that Golden State game. They said they were packing for a three-game road trip and came to fruition. I think these guys are going to be ready. Again, that doesn't mean they're going to win either one of these games. I mean, that uh, we, I think they, they've been ready in games before. We've kind of saw what happened if we said these things. But I, I think they this is new to them. I mean, for the coaching staff, for these players, most of these guys have never been in the playoffs, and I don't, I don't know if you can fully understand the magnitude of that with never being there. So I think they're going to go out and play. I mean, just play free. I mean, this is a situation where they're not expected to win. Utah's a heavy favorite. I think they're eight and a half point favorite tomorrow night. The Grizz are not expected to win, so just go out and play, man. Uh, bring that heart, bring that energy, and and see what happens. Uh, and, and again, I'm excited about it, and I, I think they're going to win a couple games at least in this series and who knows um hopefully they release the restrictions on, on the capacity of FedEx form before next week so we can get more fans in there I think it was at I think 40 percent uh for the San Antonio game uh, hopefully they get up to 60 70 percent which is kind of rumored I think that'd be big and I think these guys really appreciate Grizz Nation coming out with the growl towels making noise in there because Utah fans we know how great their fans are how loud it gets out there in their building uh so it'd be nice if they could come back home to a big crowd at FedEx form but but before we get out of here, man, you got anything else, David? No, nah, man, I'll say this. I, I was at that game. I was at the San Antonio game. And even at 40%, that you could feel the energy in that building. You know, it's not – I've been there when the, it was pretty close to full, and it's not the same level. But even at 40%, if they don't go up from there, I hope that they do because it's going to make it that much better. But at 40%, you could hear the fans. You could feel the energy when in the big moments, even at 40%, they, the fans were bringing it. And you could see the players feeding off of it. It was good. Good for the – I know that the players enjoy it. And, uh, you know, obviously going out there to the forum and soaking it up with, uh, you know, 
when it's full, man, there, there's nothing like it. There's no energy. You can watch it. You can enjoy the ups and downs from your couch. But when you're actually there with, you know, 18,000 other people, it's, it's incredible, man. So, you know, I don't think that we'll get to full capacity this season, but yeah, if they could get to the 60 to 70 mark, that would be incredible. I can only imagine what type of intensity that this fan base is going to bring to the forum if they do up it up it to that. Yeah, man, I've been to all, every, every playoff game the Grizzlies ever had uh, here in Memphis at FedEx Forum. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it's Grizz Nation is, is fantastic. I mean, I, I don't think they're – honestly, I don't think there are any better fans in the NBA. And that's not being a homer. I mean, they create – the atmosphere in playoff games at FedEx Forum is something – that you can't understand unless you've been there. I mean, it's nuts in there when 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 they when they get going and get that crowd going. So yeah, man. Hopefully they can um, excuse me upgrade the, the capacity level. Um, there's rumors. I know the Predators up there is I think to sixty percent. I think uh, for their playoff game. So hopefully we see something similar here in Memphis because uh, again, Jaws kind of reached out to the fans and told them to come out. I mean, it, and they need that energy because I think the guys feed off that energy uh, because I mean they missed that. Uh, over the last year and a half, um, they, they kind of missed that. So they definitely definitely gives you a boost. You can be that 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 six six man on the floor, and I think that'd be fantastic uh, if they get more in there. But again, like you said, even because of COVID, I've been staying away. I've been been at home uh, covering the games, uh, but you could tell that San Antonio game a, a big difference with the forty percent there versus I think whatever they were doing before the end three thousand. Uh, 3,500, whatever it was before the end, you could definitely tell a big difference. And you could feel the energy even at home. You you could tell it. So it's going to be fun, man. Uh, again, man, who, who knows where, where this thing ends up. But, again, they got a shot. They really earned it. I said on Twitter, they took the scenic route. No one can say they didn't earn this. Won two games to put themselves in a position to make the playoffs. Came up short last year, and I think guys had to the back of their mind and came up big uh, on Sunday just – a tremendous game of uh, a situation where they had a big lead and lost it late, end up going to overtime. And that, that's the point where usually a young team like this folks, um, and even in overtime, Golden State took a lead and they just kept punching, man. Was it was two grace of three, Xavier Tillman, huge corner three that he knocked down and job with the big floater in the lane to put him up five to finally put the thing away with, uh, I think four seconds left. I mean, it's just fantastic. And, and shout out to this team and, and Taylor Jenkins and man, that, that's all I got. I can't finish this episode without talking about the play that John Morant made. And it wasn't the one that iced the game. It was late in the game. Steph Curry had five fouls. And I tweeted about it being a high IQ play. They were setting up for the pick and roll and got switched. Steph ends up on Ja. Ja waves off the screen. He's like, get back. Because he knows. He knows that Steph Curry right. cannot guard him. Yeah. He's not going to yeah, contest five. the shot. He can he can do whatever he wants to do right there. So he waves off the screen, gets into the lane, hits a little jab step. Draymond kind of drops back to help defense, hits a little jab, and hits a small floater. It was like an 8- or 10-foot shot. But that was a basketball IQ play. He knew this guy, when he doesn't have these fouls, I like my chances against him, but he's got five fouls and he has to be in the game for their offense to click. If he fouls me, that's advantage Grizzlies. If he doesn't foul me, then I'm making this bucket. Making shot. Yeah. And that that was in the moment the Grizzlies have struggled closing games. 
for whatever reason, you, you can call it, you know, you, you can go back and look at lack of ball movement, coaching decisions, rotation decisions. There's a number of different things that you could point out that would be correct and why they haven't been able to close games. But Ja Morant in that moment took it over and he knew when he ended up with Steph Curry on him, this is the matchup we want everybody else to get away from me. And they ran an ISO, worked out perfect for him. So that was huge credit. We, we gas him up all the time on the show as we should because he is an up-and-coming star in this league. But that play right there just shows you the type of basketball IQ that he has to be able to know the situation and where, where Steph Curry was and what he needed to do to keep his team out in front. So that's it. That's all I got. You guys know about our partners here at HoopBall, uh, mybookie.ag. They've been with us for a while. Still got our promo code, HoopBall. Go over to mybookie.ag, sign up. They will deposit match. Use the promo code HoopBall. Best online sports book out there. More lines and better odds than any other sports book. Go over there, get that free money. Their motto is easy, guys. You bet, you win, you get paid. We appreciate you all listening. You can get the show on Twitter at HoopBallGrizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac, I'll let you get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. Um, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, again, tomorrow night, 830. Um, it, it's going to be – I mean, to, to watch the maturation process of this franchise, I mean, and we get the chance to cover this franchise, has been fantastic. And I think last night just shows what we're in for in the future. Um, I, I think this team is already poised beyond the years, and, and you got – two cornerstone pieces and jaw. And I definitely want to touch on that. And we'll touch on it next time. I see some, some hot takes about Jared that I, I definitely want to want to get into it. We'll talk a little bit about that next time, but I think you got two cornerstone guys that are going to lead this team to, you look back at the core four era and that's fantastic. But I think this, uh, the Grizz next up next gen could be even take it even farther. I, I really do. We have a, a, a type of guy in jaw that we've never had for this franchise, a transitional, face of the franchise type guy that's marketable not only in Memphis but nationally we've never had that and it's just been fun to watch but yeah man you get me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals uh, make sure you go over to Ed Rupaul Grids follow us on Twitter check out the podcast and we'll be back either tomorrow night or probably Monday uh, to discuss game one uh, get you set for game two other than that man until next time go Grids This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.